This podcast contains adult content suitable for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. through the dark tresses of this malevolent wilderness. I keep you safe as I take you where you're designated to be. And yes, from time to time, there are those of you, like yourself, who think they are above the rules that they take or fashion their own means. <laughs> no, 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 my dear traveler. That is not how this works. Hmm. <laughs> um, as we sit here and discuss your transgressions, you better pray that there is room in heaven for you. I wake up with a start, wetness trickling over the rim of my bottom lip. Bowers? Adrian Bowers? Uh, here. I stand, hastily dusting the wrinkles of my five-and-dime suit. I don't remember falling asleep, and I whisper to whatever god is watching that the person who called my name didn't notice. I'm sure that will really put me at the right end of the line for this job. Can't even stay awake in the fucking lobby. Pathetic. I make my way toward a tall woman with comically large rimmed glasses and a clipboard snugged to her chest. This way, Mr. Bowers. Yes, ma'am. I take a peek at her ass as she pivots on her high heels and leads me through the bustling office. I'm an ass man. I mean, what can I say? The sweet Pete leads me to a model office room with its typical white walls, large fake oak desk, 
and back spasm-inducing chairs. Have a seat, Mr. Bowers. I take the offered chair, the walk clearing my mind for the interview. It says here you have experience with standard office suite software. Are you also up to date on current best practices for office filing systems? We go over my inflated resume, my mind on autopilot. In the end, Pete shakes my hand and offers me the temp job that no doubt I would have gotten even if my interview had went south. I let that perfectly round fruit lead me back to the lobby, and she tells me to report back promptly at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. The office building was as mundane as they come. Gray steel makes plaster and depressed resignation. You know, the normal makings of a pencil pusher's place of employment. I barely registered its mundane design. I strolled into the abysmal building, collecting my newly minted keycard and ID badge from the security guard, before meeting my trainer on the 8th floor. Dan was as unremarkable as the building. Hell, if I didn't have to work with the man all day, then I would have forgotten what he looked like right after meeting him. And here is the break room. You get two tens and a thirty. No more, no less. I nod knowing that I'd be pushing the limits of those time frames. I mean, who thought 30 minutes for lunch was enough? Dan was still prattling on something about mail sorting and filing redundancies, but I tuned him out as the female floor manager glided into the room. The image of Pepe Le Pew, his heart leaping from his chest, loops through my apish brain. Pretty sure I was mouth being like a guppy. She was absolutely everything a man could think of legs longer than Claudia Schiffer's, her body tone in all the right places, topped off with voluptuous cherry red lips, framed by fields of strawberry hair. Forget it, dude. She doesn't date within the work pond. Dan interjected into my fantasy, and I turned to flash the doughboy my lady get her smile. <laughs> That's what they all say until they meet me. I didn't get to see much of my office angel for the following weeks. For all its lackluster appearance, the office I now worked in was quite the hive. A steady stream of employees from various floors filtered like perfect drones within the building constantly. Upon arrival every morning from 8 a.m. shift, the building hummed with activity as though the lights never turned off. I wish I could say it better them than me, but in reality, I was just as much a menial servant as the rest of them. The days blurred together, a monotonous loop of alarms, meals, paper filing, and sleep, the world around me graying at the edges. I was at the precipice of madness when my needs rose to the surface's edge. Zuriel, a unique name for a bombshell of a woman, and I would have her, however, obtaining her would take time take finesse. On an average day, I'm a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. I mean, why do more than I have to? And doing just enough is satisfactory. Obtaining a C average through high school granted me access to medial colleges, where I continued my banal coursework. All culminating in this mediocre job, However, this did not mean my pastimes were mediocre. 
let's just say I enjoy the thrill of the hunt. Over the next weeks, as my day-to-day -day life droned on the same insufferable track, I watch and know everything is real. She arrived each morning to the office building promptly at 7.50 a.m. <laughs> She's an early bird. A quality I don't envy, but I could appreciate her punctual attribute. She did not commence small talk with the security guy like many of the staff. She simply nods when he says good morning. Her elfin fingers cradling her black coffee with one sugar to her chest as she swipes her keycard. Zurio greets her assistant the same manner before entering her office and going over the details of her day. She takes her first break at 9.45 in the common room. Zurio tends to sit alone, her eyes glued to a book, with a new cup of coffee in one hand, a bowl of yogurt and berries in front of her. After her break, she either is in meetings circulating the floor, or typing away. I prefer when she makes her rounds. It gives me a chance to decipher which perfume she has donned for the day. Mondays and Wednesdays tend to be Chanel number no. 5, while the alternative days are a jasmine and a cherry wood scent. She takes her lunch in the courtyard behind the building. It usually consisted of a salad or a wrap, served with a large bottle of sparkling water. She leaves at 5 p.m. each day, and the compulsion to resume my research past the hour is excruciating. But I know my place, and I know my limits. We can't have another Mary Beth on our hands. No. Zuriel is different. Different in a way that both drives him into his knees while simultaneously shattering all forming pretenses. In order to mold yourself into the version most appealing to your obsession. And yes, I know my craving for Zurio is borderline obsessive, but isn't all desire tinged in it? My method of requiring just a taste of the opposing sex has always been the same. Obtain knowledge on their daily lives, assimilate yourself amongst their core group of peers, establish a friendly rapport, then strike. However, the insistent need to provide basic needs for myself was getting in the way of completing the necessary steps with Zuriel. Each day I arrive at the abysmal building only to have it suck the energy from my veins, draining me like it's my favorite meal. Only to toss me out and then call me back for more the following day. A drone forced to serve its masters and foregoing all other desires. It was maddening. Three months went by in a blur. The only spot of color in my graying day was Zuriel. With each passing day, my hunger grew. The pang shriveled my core, turning my mind into a starved beast with eyes only for his prey. The clock read 2.25 on a Wednesday afternoon when the bow fractured. I was swiveling my chair, my eyes glued to Zeriel's office door with each revolution. Her assistant called in sick today. 
and irregularity granting me access to her side of my angel. She appeared off, even skipping both her normal break and lunchtime. I was watching as she exited her office. A stack of papers clutched forcefully to her chest. Adrian. I jolted my chair, my feet firmly planting to the stained carpet, stopping my rotation. Dan stood at the mouth of my cubicle, a large stack of papers in his hands. You feeling all right, man? I was calling your name for a solid minute before you snapped out of whatever trance you were just in. I waved off his concern, irritated that he interrupted my vigil. I'm fine, Dan. What did you need? Not seeming to buy my response, but not caring enough to press me. Dan continued. I gotta leave early today, but I still need these documents copied, bound, and distributed by the end of the day. Could you finish? Yes! I snatched a stack from Dan, my legs already propelling me to the copy room. To my Zuriel, we would finally get our moment. I pushed open the copy room and stopped dead for a moment. Zuriel was poised on her hands and knees, her perfect round ass pointing skyward like an offering. Her small, supple breasts pressed against the copy machine as if straining to free themselves. She huffs in frustration as her arm attempts to reach for something behind the machine. Oh, good. Adrian, can you reach the plug and place it back into the wall? It must have come loose somehow. My feet stay rooted to the beige carpet for a breath. And then I was moving. My mind left at the closing door. I went to her. My frame engulfing her petite one. I knelt behind her, my pelvis nestling tightly to her jetting rear. She squeaks <gasps> in surprise, just as my fingers skim her nimble breasts. As I grasp a slippery power cord and plug it in. As the black box slides home, I make sure to time it right with a single light pump of my hips. Got to let them know what you're working with, right? I rise with a smirk, mirth fogging my mind as Zuriel reels on me, her eyes burning emeralds. I don't think I need to remind you, Adrian, of my position. <laughs> I chuckle. Already have her thinking about position. And yours within the company, and how inappropriate your little graze was. I will overlook it as an accident, but if you ever so happen to touch me... I stop her, her authoritative act dialing my glee to anger. Zuriel, don't play coy with me. Her head snaps back, confusion flaring across her delicate face. Come on, we both know what Palahami women like you want. Excuse me? I laugh, moving her backward toward the humming copy machine. They all want a man to take control of them. My body jitters with anticipation. The darkness residing in my belly, coiling tight around my consciousness. The viper that bit my Mary Beth, the one lying dormant within the confines of my flesh, most days, peers out of my eyes. 
watching, waiting. I don't know what type of game you're playing, Adrian, but you need to back away from me now. Come now, Zervio. You know you've been wanting this, craving this. I punctuate my words with my hips, her emerald eyes growing in size. Yes, that's right, Angel. My head whips to the side. My view of my angel snapped away suddenly. I blink. My primitive brain not processing the white wall now before me. Then the sting sets in. Heat flaring to my right cheek. The viper strikes. My hand wraps around Zuriel's throat and I kick her feet out wide so I can press her securely against the copier. She thrashes, fingers digging at my skin. So you want to play rough? We can play rough. My breathing is coming in fast gulps as I slash open her blouse like a wild animal. Buttons flying through the air, lace falling to my feet to reveal... To reveal... What? What the fuck? Zuriel begins to laugh. My hand falls from her throat as I tumble back. Her silk blouse hangs open. Her lace bra shredded to ribbons, exposing... Nothing. In the place of her breast, there, there is just flat space. Not like a man's chest with indents for pectorals, but simply flat skin, like, like a, like a doll without any anatomical markings. No skin rumbled over collar or rib bones. No petal pink nipples. Just nothing but hanging, empty skin. What the actual fuck? Zuriel laughs harder as I scramble out of the copy room, only to pull up short as the entire office stands, watching my plight. They're all laughing at me. What the f fuck is going on? He lasted a lot longer than I thought he would. Who had three months? Dan laughed. Co-workers from surrounding cubicles converging onto him as they snickered and jeered at me. What the fuck is going on? I bellow, my anger flaring out like a cape. The room stills, then erupts in Tyena laughter. <laughs> oh, Adrian, Adrian, Adrian. I turn and stumble back as Zuriel approaches. Her blouse remains open, her bare flat skin glowing with the absence of any human traits. She moves to pass me, pauses, and whispers in my ear. You should check your briefs. My briefs? I turn to look at her, her eyes staring back with untamable cruelty. Her eyes flick down, clearly zeroing in on my pant zipper before returning to my face. A smile corking her upper lip into a sneer. On reflex, my hand moves to my jump to rearrange myself. My hand cupping. What the fuck? What the? I yank the top of my work slacks out and peer into the darkness to find nothing. Where the fuck is my dick? The office howls around me. Some people fall out of the chairs to roll on the floor with laughter. I spin on my heels to find Zuriel in the thick of the crowd. But she is no longer my angel. She is a real, 
fucking angel. White wings sprout from her back, swiping behind her like a tail. Each wing is tipped with multiple emerald eyes, each one glaring heavenly daggers in my direction. Gold rings loop around her frame like a spherical barrier, containing her apparent magnitude. Gone are her office clothes, replaced with white and silver feathers which drape her from head to toe. Her mouth has disappeared, but her voice booms within the corporate space. Adrian Bobs! Her voice brings me to my knees. Tears stream down my face with abandon. You have been brought to the crest of limbo to await judgment on your soul. That time is now. What? Limbo, but, but I didn't die. Oh, but you did. After years of sustaining your dark callings, you finally indulge in your dark fantasies. Your mistreatment of the human woman, known as Mary Beth, led to your death by gunshot, delivered by the human woman's disgruntled father. Her words tickle a distant memory. Dark auburn hair, screams, blood, so much more blood than I thought there would be. A trial, the barrel of a gun, and darkness. But I, I didn't, we, we didn't. The angel's many eyes glare and they take a step back. My words fall short as acceptance begins to settle in. It was clear I was given a test, and I did not pass. Wait a minute. Wait a minute! My chest teased, and I nearly crumple under the angel's gaze. There is just one thing. I lick my lips and raise my eyes to my waiting doom. Do you mean to tell me, Limbo, it's just an everyday office building. The angel stares a moment. A sense of a smirk on her mouthless face. <laughs> Even Limbo has paperwork. This has been a Morbid Forest production. On this week's episode, you've heard, Is There Any Room in Heaven? Written by Naomi Richards, with narration by Sean Moreau, Jennifer Oven, and John Harrow. As a little housekeeping note, John and Jennifer have been ensnared in Larry's web and will be joining us from time to time on future stories so you can look forward to hearing their voices in the upcoming future. Want to hear your voice on the show? Then drop us an email at themorbidforest at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Twitter and on Instagram to stay up to date with your favorite chaotic duo, Naomi and Sean. <laughs> and if you like what you hear, give us a like, subscribe, and review on your favorite listening platform. And as always, 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time, travelers, on The Morbid Forest.